This is John Williams reaching out once again to our old friend Thomas Jefferson. President Jefferson, are you there? Yes, I am. It's good to talk with you, sir. Ah, likewise, likewise. You've been well, I trust. It's starting to warm up in Chicago, and uh, and we're all having a swell summer. Our baseball team is doing well, at least one of them now, and and uh, it's a great time of year. How are you, sir? Life in Monticello is quiet and very agrarian, but this is a great time of the year because the crops are beginning to come to fruition. You're not following the Washington Nationals by any chance, are you? They're, they got a real good ball club this year, too. No, uh, you know, I didn't. Baseball came after my time, and I probably would have regarded it as essentially frivolous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's because you haven't seen Bryce Harper play. And I'm telling you, the Cubs are bringing joy to the Windy City, the likes of which we haven't seen in a century. It's really been fun. These are Grizzly Cubs? No, Cubs are the name of the baseball team. It's the baseball team uh, in Chicago. We have two. One's the White Sox, one's the Cubs. The White Sox got off to a great start, too. They're starting to fade a little bit. The Cubs just keep playing better. They're like, as we record this, 41-18. and 18. My goodness, you know, I should tell you, I, I had, was given a grizzly bear yeah. by Zebulon Pike. He came back from Minnesota, mm-hmm. and he brought um, a grizzly bear, uh, in fact, two of them. And for a time, I had them in cages at the White House, and then I sent them up to Philadelphia to the museum director, Charles Wilson Peel, and they spent the rest of their life in Philadelphia. So I know something about cubs. Yeah. I don't think we're having the same conversation here, but that's very interesting, and uh, I'm going to move on now, if you don't mind. Certainly. So, so um, I should tell you that somebody pointed out to me recently, President Jefferson, that as much as you like to, I don't know, criticize Alexander Hamilton in our conversations, they reminded me to remind you that Alexander Hamilton, in fact, endorsed you for president. Do I understand that correctly? Well, in a way he did. So what happened was that I tied technically in the Electoral College with my vice presidential running mate, Aaron Burr. And so every American knew that I had been elected president, that I had defeated the incumbent John Adams, and that Burr was to be the vice president. But under the Constitution, the people who who received the most number of votes become president and then vice president. And because we tied that meant that the Constitution could not differentiate between the presidential candidate and the vice presidential candidate. And Burr, even though he should have simply said there was no circumstance under which he would take the presidency, he actually entered into negotiations with the Federalist Party, and there was an attempt to supplant me as the legitimately elected third president and to put Burr in in my place. I never forgave Burr for this, and later... Uh, dropped him from my second administration. But Hamilton hated Burr even more than he hated me. And during this prolonged controversy, Hamilton wrote a famous letter saying, although Mr. Jefferson is rather too much in earnest of his democracy and he has French manners and and, and he has um, uh, what we would call an intellectual voluptuary uh, and, is, and is no great friend to the truth, and so on, a whole series of, of, of ad hominem attacks. He said, in spite of all of that, Jefferson is infinitely to be preferred to Burr, who is a man of no character at all. And so, in a sense, you could say he endorsed me, but it was a very uh, half-hearted endorsement. 
It sounds like the way some people are approaching this election, the lesser of two evils. Some people don't like Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, but they're going to vote for one of them because they dislike the other one even more. There's a difference, and that is that I was legitimately elected for the presidency of the United States. There's no question. I had 73 electoral votes. John Adams, I think, had 65. He was the incumbent. He had now been retired by the American people. And there wasn't a person in the United States who didn't know that I had been elected to replace him as president. But the Constitution had a quirk that was later remedied by the 12th Amendment, which made this a statistical tie and therefore a constitutional crisis. So when you say the lesser of two evils, one, I was legitimate. So let's say of your two candidates that this Trump uh, wins in the Electoral College, that legitimizes him. However much people may dislike him or fear him or regard him as a buffoon or think that he would be a disaster for the United States, if he's legitimately elected in November and when the electors, the College of Electors open up the ballots in December and affirm that election, then his legitimacy is certain no matter what you may think of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that happens, I'm going, I like to tell people that I'm a Jeffersonian. If that happens, what you just described, I'm now going to tell people I'm a Hamiltonian. Because? Because I believe Hamilton thought that some of the election process should be taken away from the people. He didn't trust the public. And if we elect Donald Trump, I will have lost faith in the system. I see. You know, what happened was that each state had its own system of Uh, electing the electors into the Electoral College. And New York had established a system prior to the election of 1800. And when the results favored me over John Adams, Hamilton actually wrote to John Jay, the former Chief Justice of the United States and the former governor of New York, and said, we should change the, uh, the system of creating electors at the last minute here so we can deny Jefferson the election. Yeah. Jay well, said, wait a minute, you know, we may dislike this Jefferson, but we, we cannot remain a republic and a nation of laws if we begin now to change the rules ex post facto when we don't like the election results. Yeah, I understand that. You know, what sort of frustrates me, and I don't think I'm alone in this, is when we watch what's happening on the Democratic side, where Bernie Sanders says that because of superdelegates, the system is kind of rigged against him. And Hillary Clinton, before even the nomination itself, has been declared the presumptive nominee because she's got all of these delegates and superdelegates locked up. And I'm sympathetic to Mr. Sanders on this. As critical as this year's nomination process is i don't think he's really been given a fair hearing or accounting of how people feel about him in fact the polls say that in a general election he beats donald trump more handily than hillary does but hillary's going to be the nomination and i think the cards the deck was stacked against him from the get-go that may be you know in your time you have moved towards a much more radical form of democracy than anything we could have contemplated in my time and if in your time the the people of the united states through the primary system effectively create the nominee of a party then it would be frustrating to someone who has done well and who is defeated merely because of electors um, delegates to the national convention who were not elected at all but exactly mind that each party has its own social compact that has created its own bylaws, its own rules, 
And at some point, the Democratic Party in your time has ratified this set of primary and nomination rules, and everyone knew this going in. There wasn't a person three years ago who didn't understand that this was the method that was going to be used to to create the next nominee. Oh, I didn't understand. There's a certain sour grapes quality testing <laughs> this when you knew the rules going in don't i you didn't no i don't i don't think most of maybe bernie sanders knew maybe i'm sure guarantee a hillary clinton knew but i didn't know that i didn't understand how super delegates worked i voted i we don't even vote in primaries for crying out loud or caucuses this year it's higher profile but americans have not been invested in this process until the general election itself comes up that's when we vote and, and lo and behold, this stuff beforehand, I don't know if you know this, Mr. Jefferson, but it kind of matters. There were no primaries in my time. The question you would want to ask about the Democratic Party is, would Bernie Sanders, Senator Sanders, be the nominee if the popular will of the people in the Democratic Party were enacted? In other words, is the, is the nomination of Mrs. Clinton a violation of the actual will of the people, and she wins merely because of some some twists and maneuverings within the the nomination uh, mm-hmm. program, or would she have won uh, a majority of delegates under any system of nomination? I think once you answer that question, you can you can measure the amount of legitimate frustration. Right. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's a good question for both parties. Let me ask you this: You said that the form of democracy we have now is more radical than that which you would have imagined. What do you mean by that? Well, in my time, no women voted or held public office. Um, African-Americans were not citizens, and most of them were slaves, so they didn't vote. Even most white men didn't vote or hold public office because there were fairly severe property qualifications and requirements in every state. And so the number of people who were actually full citizens who could vote in local, state, and national elections or who could stand for office was a tiny minority, even of the white male population of the United States during my time, much less the entire population of women, mm-hmm. Indians, mm-hmm. African-Americans, etc. But you had vision. You knew personally that slavery was going to end and that America would be changed as a result. I don't know if you thought they would be fully emancipated, they would be voting, they would be president someday, but did you or the founding fathers imagine that however limited that view of democracy was, your words imagined a broader one. Did you imagine that it was going to be like it is today? Anybody of it? Shoot, we got people probably ain't even citizens voting, let alone <laughs> women and minorities. Did, was this what you'd hoped it would be? We knew that it would expand. And I was on the radical democratic fringe of my time when I proposed universal white manhood suffrage. In other words, every white male should have the capacity to hold public office or to vote. That was regarded as a dangerously radical notion in my time, and every state, without a single exception, kept severe property requirements for full citizenship. I did not contemplate women voting or holding public office. That seemed to me to be a dangerous proposition. And once we emancipate our Negro brethren, our slaves, I proposed that they be repatriated in their native Africa or found a homeland somewhere in the Caribbean or the American West, but I'd never, uh, not even once in my long life, contemplated their absorption as equal and full citizens. So it was a very different time, Hmm. and I held views that you would regard as racist and bigoted and sexist 
But keep in mind that my my advocacy of universal white manhood suffrage was so beyond what most Americans like Hamilton or Washington or John Jay were willing to contemplate that I was denounced as a dangerous visionary for even assuming that all white men should vote. President Thomas Jefferson, I wanted to talk to you in this podcast. We will in our next one about advocates and surrogates, about when somebody is running for office and another candidate endorses them. How much stock should we put in that? And I also want to ask you, what do you think of us? What would the founding fathers think about a socialist as the president of the United States? Again, I understand today that the uh, in any contest, um, Bernie Sanders wins. If it's Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders versus any of the previous Republicans, and and he wins by a greater margin than Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. So what would you all think if we woke up to a socialist as the president of the United States? We'll do that in our next podcast. I'll just all close. I can say, sir, is, is that, that, uh, that there are certain elements in my own political philosophy which could be regarded as proto-socialist. I'll say only that much for the moment. Okay, and then the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is sometime in the next week, I think it would be pretty fun for you and for us if you just put on your best white stockings and blouse or whatever clothes you wear out there and go to a Washington Nationals game, and I want to see you with an ice-cold Budweiser in one hand and a hot dog in the other. And I want want you you to take a selfie of that. If you will buy the Bordeaux wine in that stadium, I will drink it. Well, I think we know how likely that is to happen then. Thank you, President Jefferson. You're most welcome, citizen. 